Spring of Life Fellowship and its pastor, Joaquin G. Molina, invites you to listen to a message of restoration and strengthening for your life. Be a part of the vision, changing the world. Father, thank you for the opportunity to gather and to come together at midweek Bible study and to be able to be not only preached at, but have a little bit of teaching in humility that we might learn so that we might understand your heart. So as your word issues forth, allow it to come with your blessing into our lives, with your anointing, with your goodness, not with our apathy and indifference. Let it penetrate deep inside that we not, might not sin against you and fall short of your glory. We pray, O oh God, that your Holy Spirit would have access and that we not grieve the Spirit, but that would have access to convict our heart and teach us about the righteous judgment of God and give us the ability to repent and turn and move in the direction that the Spirit leads. We pray that your word would open our eyes as a lamp unto our feet, as a good seed in our hearts, and all those that listen to this word, that they might be transformed by your goodness, that we might be conformed, not to this world, but that we would be renewed and be conformed to the image of the Son. We give you thanks for the amazing gifting of your word, of your spirit and grace, and of preachers in the land that proclaim your word, O oh God. Allow it to do its work in our lives and that it not return void. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So after millions upon millions of dollars of building a church in Chicago, man had decided to grow a church called Willow Creek. His name is Pastor Bill Hybels. And he spends 20 years doing everything in his possibility to have a church that caters to thousands upon thousands of people. He spends millions upon millions of dollars. And after 20 years, he has to write a letter. And it's actually not one of victory or success, but one of confession and apology. Where he says, I'm sorry, because after 20 years of pouring millions upon millions of dollars in the direction of this uh, thousands and hundreds of thousands of people that have come through here, we have to come to the result that we've produced a lot of selfish, self-centered Christians in a seeker-friendly atmosphere that everybody has turned on what will the church do for me and not what can I do to serve Jesus? What can I do to serve the church? So they just sat back for 20 years and had a banquet table. They had um, lattes served early in the morning. They had racquetball courts built so people could come and do fitness in the afternoon. They went out of their way to serve endless thousands only to reach the conclusion that none of those that had come had become servants of the Lord. And so that is an indictment, that's a charge to the condition of people that do not know that 
It's a blessing. It's a, it's a, a great call of God over our lives. In Romans 9, chapter, chapter 9, verse 1, we know that Paul is upset and he is sad. We know that it's grieving his heart. In verse 2, he says that he's disappointed to the point of despair. Romans 9, verse 2, he is greatly grieved in continual grief of heart. We were saying last week that your spiritual life needs to be connected to your emotional heart. You can't be apathetic towards the things of God or else you're spiritually dead. If nothing moves you, I was talking to my, my brother a couple of weeks ago. He goes, uh, you know, you're a softie now. All of a sudden, all you do is cry up there at the pulpit. I said, listen, I want to feel what I'm doing. I want, I want to be broken and, and, and carry the condition of where I'm at in the Lord and where I'm headed and my passion for God. I want it to be seen in the tears that I shed and the heart that, that is soft before the Lord. And I think it's super important uh, to be able to, to have this, this uh, situation. Let, let there be great sorrow and continual grief in your heart for spiritual matters and not because you don't have another commission or $1,000 in your bank account or got a raise or have another opportunity to make money. There's some people that cry for money. Some people don't sleep at night because of money. And I suggest that we have an affect, an emotional sensitivity towards spiritual things. Because I, I believe that if we have that life and, and relationship with the Lord, now, I, I think that that carries a lot of weight and merit. Uh, in fact, I, I wanna, I'm going to divert here a little bit. I, I want to show you a Bible verse that, that shows this. Let's go to... Um, this is when I need my iPad, right? When I get out of the, the message here. Um, let's go to... Here it is. Ezekiel chapter 9. And we're going to start in verse. Can't tell if that is a 4. Here it goes. Yep, it is a 4. Ezekiel 9, 4. You, you tell me if this is not the word of the Lord for you tonight. The Lord said to him, go into the midst of the city, right in the center of Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of those men who cry because of the things that are done wrong inside the city. Could God tonight grab a, a highlighter and just mark you in the forehead if your heart feels the heartbeat of Jesus? And say, mark those people that cry because of things that are wrong. If you look at this church after I rebuked everybody on Sunday and told them to come, right? I told them, come to midweek Bible study. And then you see the empty chairs and you're like not, man, nobody listened to the pastor. And then you don't call somebody and say, you know something? I have no respect for you. God wants you to come to receive his goodness and you don't show up. There's something more important. So he tells, he, this is Ezekiel 9. He says, go into that city, mark everybody on the forehead who cries over the things that are done wrong. People that have a heart 
to feel what God is feeling. Now watch this, verse five. To the others, he said, in my hearing, go after him through the city and kill and do not let your eyes spare nor have any pity on those who have no sentiment about what God has a sentiment. Verse six. Utterly slay old men and young men. Slay the girls and the little children and women and do not come near anyone whom is a mark. Those that have been marked, that cry for the things that God cries about, let them be alive. But those that are indifferent to what God is, is caring about, but do not come near anyone who has a mark and begin at my sanctuary, in my temple. So they began with the elders who were before the temple. I wonder who would die tonight if we did this. I wonder who... God would say, you know something? There's no heartbeat here for my things. There's no sentiment. Um, verse 7. Then he said to them, defile the temple and fill the courts with the slain. Go out. And they went out and killed in the city. It's, it's, really, it's a really uh, unusual, um, unusual description of the heart of God for the things of God. And so I, I want to have the, the spiritual mark of, of somebody whose sentiment, um, one, one of the men we were talking to today, this afternoon, I talked to a man, he says, I go, do you know what the, question, what the answer to the question, what is a man? And he says, uh, is that religion? I go, why do you bring religion into the question of what is a man? It's not religion, I told them. It's reality. Religion is bringing two coconuts and a chicken and, and sacrificing blood and lighting a candle. That's religion. Reality is, well, how's your wife and kids? How's your family? How is your faithfulness to serve a faithful God? So here it is. Let's go back to Romans 9. That was, that was a little treat. That's free. Romans 9, verse 2, I have a great sorrow and continual grief in my heart. I suffer for the things that God, I, I, I long to feel the emotion of what God is feeling for emotion. I was telling Nick, my son, yesterday when we were spending time together, um, I guess it was going home on Monday, I told him about our youth group um, when we started many years ago, because now as a youth pastor, he's leading the youth group here. I said, Nick, when, when we were at youth group, and the people came from outside, we weren't performing. The people that came from outside felt God. They would come into our meetings and they would just like, just really, really, it wasn't about a song we were learning or how we played it. The presence of God was so, so palpable, tangible, you could touch it. And so, I started telling them that, that that happens when there's a unity of the spirit. So if you're, I was telling him, if you're singing a song and somebody is looking at the walls and watching, you know, counting the light bulbs, they're disconnected. If, if they're singing a song of, let's all raise our hands to the king, 
and you have people singing that song while their hands are in their pocket, there's no unity. There might be one person, he has his hands up, but then there's 15 that have their hands in their pocket or their cross, or they're like... So the, the thing with the youth group there is that when we said our hands lifted high, the whole youth group was in unison, in unity of heart. We were singing the songs, and, and so it, it, was, it was different. And the same thing happens with the church. I, I, it's very hard for me to, to see people that do not want the caliber of the presence of God that he desires to pour out. Uh, they're the religious experts. Hurry up, Pastor. Get to the message tonight. We there's, there's nothing to get to. We're here. God wants you to connect your affection to your worship, your heart to his heart. And, and if that's not taking place, nothing's, nothing's going on. And we're just a bunch of religious people. If you don't yearn these things. Verse 3, he says, For it's to them, my countrymen, I wish they were saved, that I would be disconnected and they would be connected. And so we went through um, the litany, the list, the items that, that talk about connecting those that are not here with God. And we talked about our heart is broken because they're not here. They're not experiencing what we're experiencing. They don't have the victories that we have. Verse 4, he says, to these belong the, pertain the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the giving of the law. We've understand this all. We've gone through these step by step. And then it gets to those who were granted the serving of the Lord. This, this, this spectrum to walk with God is not that you're adopted and part of the family only. You have a father and you're a son with an inheritance. Not only that you have glory, which is the perfection of his goodness in your life in every area. That's the glory of God. Not only the covenant of God, the new covenant in his blood. Not only the giving of the Bible, the word of God. But now he transcends into not only the goods, but to actually perform to actually uh, accomplish the service of God. I want to tell you something. There's only one type of person that doesn't serve God, and it's called a self-centered person who could only serve himself. He only finds occasion to do that which is moved in his direction. There is no laying down, and I want to say that this expression of service is an eternal paradigm. That means you care more about others than you do yourself. That you're wired to love. Because there's no greater love than this, than you would lay down your life for someone else. So if you're not moving in that direction, I want to say, Jesus is not living in your heart. Because you can't help but to have Jesus inside of you, and you're moving, and you're like, why am I moving? It's because Jesus is inside of you. And he's moving in the direction not of self-service. And so he said this, and this blew away, this blew away the paradigm. When he came, they said, okay, if he's coming, he's coming as a king. So he's going to want people to serve him. And then he said these words, which were insane to hear for 
that time. Uh, we will read it here together. He says, you guys perceived that I was here trying to find the opportunity to be served. Trying to find the opportunity to be served. Guess what? He wasn't here. Matthew 20, 28. You guys are all confused. You guys think that I'm here of my own behest to seek people to serve. The Son of Man did not come to be served. His coming was not for us to wash his feet, but for him to wash our feet. His showing up on earth was an expression of the character attributes of God that it's better to serve than to be served. He says he did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life over as a ransom for many, for the benefit of others, for the reward of someone other than me. And so that's, that's uh, you know, if, if we could split tonight... Um, on what has been this struggle since day one is that the devil has done a good job in putting his nature of sin into mankind. And when we talk about this aspect of serving God, which is the character attributes of those who have been saved, to them are the adoption, the glory, the covenants, the law, service of God. When we talk about serving God, put the thermometer in your heart, your attitudes and your thoughts, and we can't serve other than a personal interest. And you'll see that it's incredible how we move in that direction when there's something to be gained. Joshua 24, 15, in the ancient time of the patriarchs, Joshua says, listen, it seems to me that for you to serve God is an evil thing it gets in your schedule it occupies your time if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord que fastidio how horrible I think I think this this the, the, the modern the, uh, generation feels I need everybody to serve my demands, my agenda. Listen to me. I see it here on, on midweek. A lot of people tonight won't come tonight. They'll come tomorrow. And then next week, they won't come Thursday. They'll come Wednesday. And you can do that if you're not serving nobody. Because it doesn't matter when you come. Nobody loses. It doesn't matter when you don't show up. Because it doesn't mean nothing. Last week on Thursday, Evelyn didn't show up. She, she serves in the kitchen. She didn't come. She had, a, she had a busy schedule. It's the first time ever she hasn't come on Thursday night. You know who was able to have refreshments and participate with fellowship in the cafeteria? Say, nobody. Because when you're serving and you don't show up, 
people could tell. But when you're not serving and you don't show up, big deal. Nothing happened wrong. So, so Joshua, back in the thousands of years ago, he's saying, listen, if for you to serve the Lord is a negative thing, choose for yourself this day what you're going to do. Whether you're going to continue to serve those gods your father served on the other side of the river before you met God, the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you dwelt, bully gods that stole your lunch, never rewarded you, abused you. I don't know if you're going to serve other things, but as for me and my house, we're going to be employed. We're going to be spiritually employed. I love the question they asked me today. I ran into a friend that I haven't seen in 25 years. And his first question is, are your sons serving the Lord? I said, of course. Of course they're spiritually employed. They're, they're busy. They, they got God on their schedule. He's on the map. They're, they're not flying by the seat of their pants. They're going to be gainfully employed by the kingdom for many years. That's the key to the heart of one who has the nature of God in him because he says, I didn't come here to be like the Gentiles. We can read that again in Matthew uh, chapter 20, verse 25. You know that in the business world, everybody moves according to their intereses. If I'm getting paid, he says, you know, the rulers of the Gentiles lord over them and those who are great exercise authority over them. Man, over there, they're busy. How many know people that are busy at work? Why are they busy? Does anybody know why they're busy? We have, we have a company owners here. They're busy because if they don't get busy, they get, you're fired. But, but in the kingdom of God, it's not to be like that. There's not going to be any imposition on you to serve God. That should be a natural expression of Jesus' reality in you. Verse 26, he says, Matthew 20, 26, Yet it's not to be amongst you, but whoever desires to grow and be successful and become great among you, let him be a servant. The, the DNA of the kingdom of God is to have the capacity to say, listen, it's not no evil thing for me to be faithful to God. I'm going to serve him. That's, that's just a done deal. In fact, this is how, and this is why Joshua is drawing a, a, a line in the sand. He's saying, look, here's the line. Those who serve God and those who don't. And as for me and my house, we're on this side of serving God. What about with you? you? You consider it an evil thing to be on this side of the line. You consider it to be a pest on your schedule. It's, it's hilarious. If you get a little bit closer to ministry, we have a calendar with those that serve in the Sunday school and those that serve as ushers. And there's some on that calendar that never see when it's their time to serve. Worse than that, there's some that are not even on that calendar. They've been here for years, and they don't find occasion to serve. On Sunday, I'm in a hurry. On Wednesday, I'm in a hurry. On Thursday, I'm in a hurry. 
Well, when are you not in a hurry, sir? When do you call time out and say, I'm going to serve my king and my God? I'm going to serve my Lord. I'm, 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 I'm on with this stuff. Not like the Gentiles who, if you don't come, you get fired. If you don't come, you get penalized. If you don't come, we're going to give you a fee. We'll give you... I have my best friend. You guys don't know this, but uh, I've been preaching and sharing the gospel with an attorney friend of mine. His name is Manuel Chong, right? So I've been preaching and sharing with him and trying to encourage him to come to church. He's never come to church. But now his son is 16, and his son, Manuel Chong Jr., he's coming to youth group. And he loves youth group so much that he makes his father come on Sundays now. So my friend is coming, and when every time he goes, when he's leaving, I act like I'm going to faint. Oh, I can't believe you're here. You know, I'm surprised, right? He says, cut it out, cut it out. So he's coming to church on Sundays. His wife came the first day when they both came, but then she missed twice. So we went out to lunch on Tuesday, yesterday, with my wife, and I said, Yvette, we were with Manuel. You got to tell Manuel that his wife is about to get three strikes. Because in our church, when you miss three times, you're out. She's like, oh, no. After 30 years, I take all this time to get here, and now they're kicking me out. But that's not the scenario. He's going to get kicked out of heaven. They don't understand. We must be diligent. Listen to what it says in Romans 12, 11. Don't be lazy. Quit putting this off for another time. Yeah, not lagging in your diligence, but being fervent in spirit, serving the Lord. What do you need to serve the Lord? You need to have some, some inside spirit that's like, I want to be faithful to Jesus. Because when he comes back, I, I want him to find me. I, I want him to know that I, this is real. Fervent in spirit. Well, what, what proves that you're fervent in spirit, you're actually serving the Lord. They're, they're, your bodily function is moving in the direction where you're not serving self, you're not serving money, mammon, you're not serving some company, some department. Serving the Lord. I, I often have been in this pulpit and, and I, I say these words, what do I need to say what do I need to do to motivate those that come to take serving God serious? To understand. I believe that this book, and, and, and this, is, this is the, when he talks about the adoptions, he talks about uh, the glory, the covenant, the law. When he talks about serving the Lord, I believe that there's instruction here. This is one example that our serving the Lord must be fervent in spirit. It tells you how to do it, when to do it, where to do it, with who to do it, as many times. It says to, to do it with faithfulness. Like, don't do it just once because this is the preaching on serving. Oh, pastor, okay, next week I'm going to serve. No. What do I have to do? How do I have to say? What, what, is, what is the... The required impartation of God's goodness in your life that'll keep you moving in the direction of his instruction towards our life. So here it is. Not lazy. Be diligent. Diligence is you do the thing on time and you do what's right. Well, pastor, I'm always serving and serving and serving. You're always serving wrong. 
You're not to go to, to a job and say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the cashier today, and you end up at the end of the day with $50,000 on the computer and $2,000 in the ca- And you said, I was here all day. Yeah, but you're a mess. You're not serving. At it. And so the training is necessary to be able to serve with excellence, to be able to serve God as he is worthy. You know, we go to Psalm 101, and, and David is intense. I thought I was intense. No, David is more intense. He says, I wake up every morning, and whoever is not being faithful to the Lord in service, I'm just going to wipe them out. This type of criteria, this is, this is the, the level we're reading Psalm 101 and verse 8. Early, I'll wake up early, and I'll get rid of all the wicked that are in the land. I will cut off everyone who's unfaithful from the city of the Lord. Well, what's the contrast here? Are these people that are raping? Are these people pillaging? And, and No. Look, look what it says in verse 6. My eyes shall be unfaithful of the land. They will, will dwell with me. Those who walk is perfect, they qualify to serve me. How many know that God wants excellent service? Some people in Cuba, you know what they used to do? The firstborn was born, he's blonde hair, blue eyes. They're like, this guy's going to be a doctor. The second one's blonde hair and green eyes. Okay, this one's going to be a lawyer. So they had a doctor and a lawyer, right? And then the third would come out like deaf, dumb, and this one's going to be a priest. And take them down and give them to the church. They gave the retarded things to God, the twisted things, the perverted things, the, the things that were lazy, the guy who didn't get good grades, the guy who couldn't learn, the guy who would, what, what are we giving God in our service to him? And so we're, we're, we're learning tonight what God wants as his heart for our lives. And that's where in, in the book of the patriarchs we just read, Joshua said, listen, if this thing about serving God is a hardship to you, my friend, then do me a favor, get out of my way because here I come. Me and my house are going to give God our best. We're going to serve him. We're going to serve him. And that's what I was telling these guys this afternoon that I haven't seen for a long time. They're like, how are your sons doing? I said, they can't wait to serve God. They love God. They want to give God their best. Okay, so that's the beginning of, of the Bible. Let's go to the end of the Old Testament in Malachi. In chapter uh, 3, verse 14, the issue of the book of Malachi is you say in your heart is useless to serve God. It's a waste of time to serve God. Listen, if the devil has ever ushered that into your heart, that to serve God has no reward and no benefit and it's not something you should pursue, my friend, you're, you're in for a big problem here. It is useless to serve God. What profit is it? in we keeping his order, that we have walked as mourners. We, we're not enjoying life before the Lord of hosts. So this was the issue in the last book of the Bible. It wasn't anything but who is going to serve God with excellence. So there was that whole trouble of serving God. Verse 15. So now, since we consider serving God useless, not rewarding, then we consider the proud blessed. If you don't need to serve God, you must be walking around like you're going to get ahead without God. That's pride. 
For those who do wickedness are raised up. Those that don't serve God are the ones that prosper. They even tempt God and go free. They spend their life without. They believe in God. It's a good thing. But they don't serve God. And we're saying they don't serve God and it will go well with them. So all manner of scenarios come into their lives. And so he says in chapter 3, verse 18, the distinction before God lies in whether or not you're righteous or wicked based on those who serve God and those who don't. You could draw a line right down between who God considers to be in right standing with him and those that are twisted and out of course because one serves God and the other one doesn't serve God. Uh, is there some deficiency in understanding that once we receive Jesus Christ, we obtain eternal salvation, we're forgiven of our sins, that the natural progression of our maturity is that we not serve ourselves. Just like Christ didn't serve him, himself, we're to serve others. We're going to read that in... got to give you guys this verse which went along with that one there it is Philippians 2.4 therefore since we're mature now we stop thinking about ourselves and start thinking about others uh, let each of you look out not only for his own interest but for the interest of others well why would we do that why would we ever have a paradigm change where we're looking out for someone else and not for ourselves. It must be that the spirit that was in Christ is in us. It must be that now we're not looking out for our interests. We're looking out for the interests of God, and God rewards that behavior. Verse 5, he says, Therefore, let this mind be in you that was also in Christ. Start thinking like Jesus Christ. Quit thinking about yourself. That, that, that's actually the definition of servant. The, the, who are you serving? Does anybody know when they call you a servant? Say someone else. Someone else. You're being a blessing to other people. That's what service is. First uh, Peter 4.11, it describes it like this. He says, whatever you do, if you're going to use your words, make sure that they're words of God... If you're going to serve, do it with the ability which God supplies. He gives you the strength that in all things, God might be seen. So there is no greater time that Jesus Christ is seen in our lives than when we are serving him. Because that is the epitome of non-selfishness. A self-centered person cannot serve. Doesn't find occasion. It's not on his schedule. It's not something he's prone to. I love what it says in Psalm 102. Serve the Lord with gladness, with joy. Hey, let me see the schedule. Honey, am I on the calendar again? I, I think I've got to serve again. Call him and tell him I'm sick. Psalm 100 verse 2 says no. Let's, 100, verse 2. 
Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing in your hearts. Come and serve God with gladness. Listen, I don't know what opportunity and where we have the opportunity to be able to serve God, but there's no greater place than in his presence. In, in the place where he dwells. Now I want to tell you something. It's not, and, and this has been a reality, Acts 17, 25. We don't serve him because he needs anything. Does anybody know that? <laughs> he doesn't need anything. He has trillion, uncalculable, innumerable angels that serve his beckon and call. When he's asking you to serve him is for your reward, not his. It's for you to break the chain of selfish existence. He says he, nor is he worshiped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Since he's the giver of all things, life, breath, and everything to everyone. That means when we serve him, we become the recipients and the rewards of his goodness and his lavish, extravagant nature is poured out. You're going to be able to see the difference between one who serves God and one who doesn't. Why? Because he's about to lavish them with the greatness of his promise in Matthew 23, 11. He says the greatest amongst you will be him who has the capacity to serve. He who is greatest among you shall walk in a servant's heart. In the Old Testament, Exodus 23, 24 says, when you serve the Lord your God, he will bless you. He will bless your bread. He will bless your water. He will bless you and remove sickness. And we got that straight? 23, 24. You shall not bow to these gods nor serve them. You're not to put your efforts in any other directions, verse 25. But you shall utterly overthrow and completely break them. You shall serve the Lord your God and he will bless you with bread, with water and take away sickness among you. How many has that happened to? Right here. The guy's right here. I'll serve the Lord with my health. Serve the Lord with my strength. I don't want to give more efforts in any other thing than I give my God in serving him. Period. Period. Why? Because that is his promise. Deuteronomy 28, 47. He says, because... You decided not to serve the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 28, 47. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and with gladness of heart. Why? For the abundance of everything he's showered you with. How is it we don't serve him with all his goodness? We're counting. Wait, pastors, you're preaching. You got to hurry up. We got to hurry up. Pastor, I can't give any time to serve God. Verse 48. Because you did not serve him with gladness and with joy. Therefore you shall serve enemies. You're going to have to serve those things that come against you. Whom the Lord will send against you in hunger, thirst, nakedness, in need of all things. And he'll put a yoke of iron around your neck until you're destroyed. The consequences of not serving the Lord are severe. Deuteronomy 10, 12. Israel, my people, what does the Lord ask of you? but to take him serious, to walk in obedience, to love him, and to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. I, I just, I don't know how we can, we can muster the strength 
to be able to walk in that direction. Isaiah 42.1, he says, Behold my servant whom I will lift up. Who is that? Behold my servant whom I will uphold, hold up. This chosen one with whom my soul delights, I have put my spirit upon him and he will bring forth the example to the Gentiles. He will show other people how to live in this life. He will show other people what I want. This expression of serving the Lord, I believe, is the spirit of the Lord that's upon us. Philippians 2 verse 5 as we have this mind that was in Christ, let this mind be in you, which was also in him. Verse six, that even though he was in the form of God, he did not, he did not pull back and forth to contend whether he would or whether he wouldn't. Verse seven, but made himself of no reputation. Sometimes we say, well, I'm better than what they want me to do. Really? I deserve a better place or position. I don't think a servant does that. That's not a servant's heart. Taking the form of a bondservant, he didn't walk in his self-righteous attempt, but he was willing to do whatever, whenever. There's some men that have come into the church and says, Pastor, I'm willing to serve in the kitchen or clean the bathrooms and the toilets. I want to I wanna clean the parking lot. I want to do what, and one man says, I want to do what nobody wants to do. That's a servant. Verse 8, it says that when he did this, God was able to reward him, Philippians 2, 8. Being found in the appearance, he humbled himself and got in a position of obedience to the point of dying to what he was arguing. How many have ever heard somebody arguing about service? Well, what they want me to do and what I did and what I gave. There's no argument in service. Just do what you are told to do and don't do what you're not told to do. It's a form of death. But the spirit is, is Christ in you is able to do that because you're not out to serve yourself. You're not out to have a reputation. Verse 9 he went obediently to the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at that name, verse 10, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess in heaven, on earth, and those that are demons under the earth. I, I just want to say that, that uh, there's actually a verse in this particular chapter, it's verse 15 that it separates you against a perverted and crooked world. He says that you might be blameless children of God without fault in midst of a crooked and perverted generation whom if you serve and have this disposition, you shine as lights in the world. There's no greater contrast in this world than those who serve nobody. I, I told one man this afternoon. Ready? Here goes. Give me the name of one person upon the earth with his telephone number that I can call right now that tells me that you serve Jesus Christ. And he's like, my dad. I go, give me his number. 
He goes, no, no, he's old, he's old. Can I call my dad? One person. I said, I'll give you 150 names and numbers. He goes, yeah, because you're a pastor. No, because I serve. Not because I'm a pastor, but because I serve. And that challenge needs to be decided and declared here. Decided and declared here. Are you one of those that are walking like light in the world, like harmless and blameless children of God, without any fault in the midst of a crooked and perverted generation? You know what, that, what does that? Your capacity to be spiritually employed. Your capacity to walk with God like God wants you to walk. Here it is, 1 Peter 5.5. 5. This is the secret. You younger, submit yourselves to someone who's older. Someone who's able. They used to put an old experienced ox with the yoke with the young ox. Because the old servant ox that would plow the land was calm. The young one is a wild, zigzagging, look at me plow. You're not plowing. You're a train wreck. You need to submit yourself to someone who's an older servant. Weigh his words. Be submissive to one another. Clothed with humility. The word in Greek, I was just hearing this. Derek Prince says, clothed means put on the apron of a slave. Mark yourself. There, there's guys right now. Look at all these guys wearing shirts here. They're serving. And, and they got shirts made to their size. And this is uh, John Johnson. Okay, he's six foot three. He wears a size large. Here you go, John Johnson. Because you have a name. You have a night you serve. You have a shirt you wear. You have an apron that shows that it's not about you. Clothe with humility. The women who, who, who serve for the last 12 years we've been in this building, and you see this church spotless, without spot. You wanna know why? Monday mornings. There's women that show here, and they're like ants. Military, red ants. They draw sections and they sweat like no CrossFit in America. They faithfully serve their Lord. They shine bright. I want to say, we're saying that tonight just because we're teaching on this, but I want you to read what it says there about these servants because it's not about them. Matthew 12, 18. The servants that I uphold, these chosen one of mine in whom my soul delights and is well pleased, I will put my spirit on him. But verse 19 says, 
they will declare justice to the Gentiles, he's not going to be quarrelsome. You can't throw a fit and serve. I can't stand when they come over here and they take my area and they take my broom and they take my towel and I brought my blanket and not serving. That's why you stay home and don't come here because there's quarrel. These people who serve don't quarrel. They don't cry out and no one hears their voice in the streets. They're not doing it for popularity. They're not doing it because somebody's recognizing them. Listen, this is probably the first or second time I talk about this group in 10 years here at this church. They don't get any brouhaha because they're not brouhahs. <laughs> they're faithful servants. They honor God. They're not doing it for popularity. Well, nobody takes notice and nobody did what I did. And Let me make sure I put my name on everything I did. You're not serving. You're serving yourself. Let's stand tonight and give thanks to the Lord for this word. Your encouragement, your encouragement to those that are around you because there's nothing more contagious. I'll tell you these girls have, uh, these women have a contagious spirit. They, they continue to encourage one another. They continue to meet. They continue to come out here. Okay, ready, go. And just like answer. And they, they make this place spotless, worthy of our Lord and King. They, they make this place a place that you can smell the fragrance of Christ, not because we are trying to perform or entertain, but because the Spirit of the Lord is in this house. And, and their faithfulness, just as every servant that serves in the house of the Lord, you might not even know them, you not, might not even do, know what they do or how they come about, they're not doing it for you. They're being faithful to the Lord. This, this is a, a call to maturity, obviously. The child only wants to serve himself. He doesn't want to answer to anybody. But there, there's nothing. Um, I was, when I started working at the law school, I got out of uh, law school, started working for some of my professors. I was like, listen, you are teaching me how to do this with excellence. I have no argument. I don't question what you're trying to do in my life. Tell me how I do it better. Tell me what I have to fix. I have no opinion. Tell me where I have to spend more of my time and where to concentrate. So the information is flowing. Uh, one of my favorite verses, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to find it. Why? Because it's one of my favorite. And this verse, it talks about the heartbeat of a servant. Give me two seconds. I love this verse. Psalm 123, verse 2. It's my favorite verse tonight. I will look upon his hands like the eyes of a servant look to the hand of his masters. Like the eyes of a maid who looks at the hand of her mistress. So our eyes should look upon the Lord our God until he has mercy on us. This is talking about, Lord, a good slave was watching for the command 
to come from the hand of his master. And some of us are like this quick. And some are like, I missed it. I didn't see it. Why didn't you tell me? You're not a servant, brother. Because a true servant, now you guys know why it's my favorite verse. I want to see what the Lord, what, what, are, the, what are the gestures of the heartbeat of God towards your life so that you can offer him the opportunity to serve with excellence? What happens to a slave that is looking out the window or he's looking at how good he shined his shoes this morning or looking at his position that he has next to the king tables without paying attention to the king? Who wants a servant like that? The Lord doesn't. He wants one whose eyes are upon the hands of their master. Philippians 2, 11. Paul says, I have no one like Timothy. Let's go to 15. 16. We'll get to it now. 17. 22. We're getting it. Yes. Go up to 21. 20. I have no one. Let's go to verse 19. Here goes. I trust that I could send to you Timothy shortly that I also might be filled with encouragement when he tells me about what your state is. Verse 20. I'm going to send you Timothy because I have no one like-minded who sincerely cares for your state. That's a servant, caring about others. Verse 21. For all others seek their own and not the things that are from Jesus. Verse 22. But you know his character as a son with his father he served with me in the gospel. Serve. Serve, serve. Quit looking for the pretext and the, the opportunity to excuse your service because the conditions are not according to the climate of the atmosphere you're accustomed to. Well, I served in the White House and when I was serving in Congress and I was serving... Woo! Woo! It's not the spirit of the Lord I know. He made himself of no reputation. He says, you see your master and Lord take up a towel and wash your feet? Do likewise. Try to pick up on the little hints from the master's hands so that you can serve him as one of his best. Father, thank you for tonight. Thank you for letting us see this aspect of knowing and serving you. Thank you, you show these things because you want our service to be perfected in this house amongst this family where you have placed us to lay down our lives so others might see Jesus. We don't pick our schedules. We don't pick our preference. It's not serving our convenience. We count it worthy to suffer hardship 
and to serve faithfully, diligently, fervently in spirit to honor you who showed us how to serve, who modeled the spirit of service and greatness, that that same spirit that was in Christ, it's the spirit that's in us that allows us to serve with excellence and honor and that we might mature in our walk with you. In Jesus' name we pray and the house of God says amen, amen, and amen. Greet one another in the love of the Lord. Tell him you're a great servant. I want to see you serve more.